0: Welcome to Didasco, Reverend Randy Impact's anointed teaching ministry. This message is selected from the vast teaching archives of Reverend Randy Impact. As you listen, may you be blessed and imparted with divine wisdom. And now, today's teaching.
1: Today, I'm joined on set by two pastor's wives, um, amazing women and i'm going to interact with them uh, this particular broadcast i'm going to share the platform with them and uh, let me do a quick introduction so uh, to my left i have um, the wife of uh, pastor of pokrom assembly um, that's mrs enim mrs Anim, how are you doing
2: i'm very fine thank you
1: all right how was your day
2: Sir, please. My day was very good by the grace of God.
1: All right. Thank good you. Good to see you. Yes. And uh, to my right, I have the wife of Pastor of the Missions Temple, um, Mrs. Diana Ametepe. I call her Gracious Diana. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing very well, sir. Thank you very much.
1: And how was your day?
0: had a wonderful day by the grace okay. of God. How
1: is Grace Christian School? <laughs>
0: by the grace of God, school is fine. It's We're doing great. Doing well. Yes, we by thank the God.
1: grace of God. Thank you so much. I think in the morning, I actually spent the night in church. So when I was going home, I think I went quite late, around 7 a.m. or so. I had my message in the school.
0: Yes, so okay. one of the things that we do by divine um instruction from yourself and our director lady pastor lois is that we play the telegram messages that is your messages for the pupils every morning so that they can be in tune with the word of god i would say that we should train up a child the way he should go and when he grows he will not depart from it and so that is what we do every morning
1: amazing amazing i think this is um for me the f- first time i Um, encountering it and I felt it was really powerful starting your day um, the word of God. Now Mrs. Ametepe also happens to be the principal of Grace Christian School which is a school founded by the ministry and um, she's also um, in the school with um, Mrs. Enim so it's a Grace Christian School team pastor's wives. Um, team, uh, let me ask you quickly, um, um, Mrs. Enim. How 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 is the school going? How are the kids?
2: Thank you very much, sir, for the privilege and thank you for the question. Um, grace Christian School is doing very well by the grace of God through your direction and the direction of our director, Lady Pastor Lois. So, by the grace of God, the kids are picking up especially those who are coming from the community they come they cannot speak the english language even writing is a bit of an issue now they come and by the grace of god they can speak within the shortest possible time and they can even some of them can read which is a joy for us and uh, like uh, mrs ametepe was saying we teach them with the word of god and it's also helping and shaping them for the future thank you once again
1: wow beautiful in fact um at dawn i received a message on my instagram account and um, it was a message from a woman and she said thank you for Grace christian school and because of the school my child can now speak english <laughs> you know so um I was quite excited about that uh, feedback. The faith is about impact and the work of God is about transforming lives, shaping destinies and the scope is quite broad. As we win souls, we also have the responsibility to shape them, to build them up. So, Our ministry is 360. We are not just preaching the gospel, we are raising a generation and this wonderful ladies and daughters of impact are really doing a great job in uh, partnering with the vision to take the vision to the next level. Beautiful. Well, we are not here for Grace Christian School, so we go straight to the uh, to the point. Now, um, I've started a series on the Believers Authority. And for those of you who have followed, it's been an awesome journey um, redefining your Christianity in light with the Word of God. So discovering yourself as a new creation as opposed to how you have been raised as a Christian, um, mostly in a religious manner. So it's been a lot of light um, and a lot of discovery. And we've done part one, part two. Today is part three of the Believer's Authority. Um, But before I get into today's Message. I want to interact with our panelists and find out uh, from them what they've learned so far. So I'll I'll start with Mrs. Enim. I'll start with Mrs. Enim. Um, Last week, we treated Believer's Authority Part 2. And I was talking about uh, the kingly authority and uh, the dimension of being a king in the kingdom of God. Um, what was a striking thing for you? What did you learn? What did you take home?
2: Thank you very much sir for the opportunity once again and thank you for having me on the set Thank you Lady Pastor Lois, also for the opportunity given What I learned last week was when you were teaching on the word of God from 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 he says that therefore if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And then you made us aware that Paul was talking about old and new. And it was quite confusing as to what old and then what new. And you took us to the word of God in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. Which reads, And had raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so you made us aware that Christ came to take the form of man which made it possible for us uh, which made it possible for him to take our sins away which is the old the old sense or the old the past that we had Christ took it away and when he raised or when he was raised from the dead he brought the new creature in us And he made us reign with him. Mm. And he also told us about kings, that kings are supposed to sit spiritually. So he said that, the Bible said that we sit together in heavenly places. So that's what I got from the last week's um, preaching. Thank you very much, sir, once again.
1: Beautiful, very powerful um, submission. I I really love it. I really love it. Okay, let me quickly move straight to um, Gracious Diana. What did you learn last week?
0: Thank you very much, sir, for this opportunity to be on set with you. I am very grateful. I'd also want to say a big thank you and use this opportunity to say thank you to Pastor Dennis of the missions branch for his pastoral care. Thank you very much for the question, sir. So what I learned from your message that came last week was that when we we are born again or when we become children of god we are not just saved hallelujah we are we are not just forgiven and saved but we are we we are kings and we become we are we have been called into an office of kings and priesthood hallelujah and so as believers we need to know our, our identity in christ and how do we know this We know this by becoming knowledgeable in the Word of God, hallelujah, because the more we become knowledgeable in the Word, our faith increases. And so we will not be pressured by the opinions of society or the opinions of academia or, or the opinions of the world. When we know who we are in Christ, when we know our identity in Christ, we will not be pressured. And so for me, that is the striking thing that stuck to me, that we need to be knowledgeable. And that is by studying the word of God. By so doing, our faith increases and we will never be pressured by the opinions of the world. Thank
1: you. Amazing, 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 amazing. Um, the Word of God reveals our true identity, and that helps us to reign with Christ and not come under the opinions and the distractions of this world. Um, Great submissions from last week. This week, I'm going to share on the scope of our authority. The scope of our authority. So, we've spoken about um, the priesthood what it means to be a new creation priest. And then we've spoken about the kingship dimension, how it is that we are actually reigning with Christ. You know, reigning with Christ. Reigning with Christ. We are seated with him and reigning with him. You know, and um, we want to look at the scope of our authority. If we are reigning with Christ what is the extent of our rulership, you know, um, over what territory, what is the scope, so that we become aware of what we have authority over, what we have rulership over, to what extent we can exercise that authority. For example, um, the kings that exist in the earth, they have territorial... Influence. So, for example, the Ashanti king has his influence in the Ashanti kingdom. That's a territorial influence. So, the scope of his rulership is within the space that he has that uh, influence over. You know, the Queen of England um, has England as or the United Kingdom as the scope of her authority. That's her jurisdiction. So earthly kings have a limited sphere or scope through which they operate. And anytime you are made a king or brought into that space of rulership, you must be given a definite territorial space to rule over. So if we say we are kings according to the word of God, what is the scope of our authority? As earthly kings have scope. What will be the scope of our authority? To what extent can we exercise our authority? And that's very important. The believer must know this, so that as the believer reigns, they know who they reign over and they know the territory, the limits of their reign. Praise the Lord Jesus. And that's what we are going to get into uh, tonight. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will just bring light into your soul. And as you hear the word of God, uh, build up your faith in him. Now, John chapter 1 verse 12. John chapter 1 verse 12. John chapter 1 verse 12. This is Bible study. And so you need to, uh, you know, take the word of God precept upon precept until you come to a, a good understanding. Um, John chapter one verse 12 says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So this scripture brings us to the place where um, the word of God is telling us that we have been given a setting power. Now, the Greek word for that power is the word exousia. You see, is the word exousia. And it means authority. So the actual word that was supposed to be used is not power, but authority. An authority is a license and a right. So the Bible should read this way. But as many as received him, that is to say that those of us who have accepted the Lord as our personal Savior and as our Lord, you know, those are the people who have received Him. Those are the people that are born again. Those are the people that are redeemed by His blood. The Bible says that to them, to those people, He gave the rights, the license. The authorization to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. This scripture is very deep and it exposes a lot of things. Number one, this tells us that not everybody has received him. Not everybody has received Jesus as Lord and personal Savior. It says as many as received him. You see that? So some have not received him. In fact, Jesus said, I came to my own, but my own received me not. That's how the whole scripture started. You know, but as many as received him, he gave. The second thing about this scripture is that to everyone who has received the Lord, you have not just had a ricketer spirit. You are not just born again, but you have been given something. You know, the moment you receive Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, The Lord himself gives you something. You have to be conscious of that. Many people are conscious of the experience. I am born again. But the Bible is saying he gave you something. At the point of receiving him, you also receive something. And that's what I'm bringing your mind to as I'm teaching the word of God. The fact that you receive something. What did you receive? You did not only receive Christ in your spirit. But you receive the right to become the son of God. The son of God. So now, you are not just born again. You are the son of God. You are a child of God. And that child of God must be given to you. You must have the right. It's like um, a driver's license. You need that right to drive the car. So God gave you the right to become a son of God. And this exposes something very interesting that not everybody is a son of God or not everybody is a child of God. You know, I'm sure you've heard statements like, all of us are children of God, you know, especially from diverse faiths. You know, um, people would say that we are all children of God we all serve one God. But this scripture is defying that notion. It says, those who received him are those that have the rights. So some are illegal. <laughs> it's like driving a car. You can say, I can drive. But you don't have the right to drive. So in the spirit, you can claim that also a child of God. Though I don't believe in Jesus Christ. And that's what some of the uh, faiths they say. That um, I don't believe in Jesus Christ as a savior, but God is my father. This word is saying it doesn't work that way. You can't bypass Jesus and have God as your father. So um, this is a very important knowledge. So there's something, there's this phenomenon coming up where very soon there's going to be like a united front uh, i've had things like um a movement called chrislam where christians and muslims are coming together to form one faith or one religion because people believe that there should be peace in the world and so because of that all faith should come together because it's all ultimately one god intellectually it looks like um it's, it's going to be great because all these religious conflicts and um, differences are going to be resolved. And um, in places like Dubai, uh, United Arab Emirates, um, there's been meetings in some places in the U.S. There, there's been meetings where they build special um, Chrislam temples. And then uh, Christians go there, Muslims go there. And they, everybody, um, you know, worship the way they want to. And at the end of the day, they share their grace and (laughs) everyone goes home. But you see, um, Jesus said that he, he did not come to make peace. That's also another strong statement. You know, Jesus came with an agenda. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, there's not another way to God. That statement says emphatically, that Jesus is the only way to God. And without him, you cannot... So it is very important for us to understand that those who don't believe in Jesus are not considered as children of God. They cannot say they are children of God. They are not part of God's children. That's what it means. They are not part of God's children. So what are they? Someone will ask, what are they then? They are God's creation. Okay, so what are God's creation? God's creation is the moon, the sun, the trees, the mountains, the stones, the sun, all of that. So, if you don't accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, you are part of the creation of God. You don't have the spirit that allows you to say, Abba, Father. You can't have a relationship with God. And that's why we are preaching Christ, because it's the only way. And if we don't preach Christ... God's children will not increase. And if God doesn't have children, they can't have access to him. Jesus is the only way. Praise the Lord Jesus. Now, the Bible says that uh, he gave them the power. So we have received a certain power, which I've explained as authority. The Christian has authority. Of course, Ephesians 2.6 says that we reign with Christ. It says we are seated with Christ. In heavenly places. So that's where the authority is stemming from. Authority is stemming from where we are seated. We are reigning with Christ. So we have authority. Now that authority was given to us at the point of salvation. So every Christian has authority. Has a right to become a son of God. To operate like God. And that's a knowledge that the Christian must have. That have been given an ability to operate like God. You see, many people are not thought these things. So, when you say the Christian, many people see the Christian as a lower being. You see, a, a lower being. So, um, many Christians are plagued with inferiority complex, many Christians are plagued with low self esteem, things that are born in the flesh. Why? The word of God has not been preached to these people so much for them to understand that you are like God. You are after the God kind. Certain things cannot dwell in you. The more this knowledge comes into you, the more you become empowered that if I am like God, I am like my father, then I cannot become afraid. I cannot become anxious. You know, it's like being told consistently that, your father is Bill Gates. You know, there's a confidence that you walk with. Um, whether you are driving or not. Even if you are in the marketplace, that knowledge gives you a certain confidence. If someone snatches your phone, you don't throw your hands around and crying and weeping. Um, if someone disappoints you, you see, you, you don't become overly heartbroken because you know that your father is bill gates so that knowledge hasn't sunk well with many christians and so we don't demonstrate the traits of god like faith holiness righteousness and so on and so forth we feel very vulnerable we feel like we are on the losing side praise the lord and so Having the right to be a son of God is a very powerful thing. It means having the same entitlement as Jesus Christ. Because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. At the time that Jesus was coming into the world, he was the only son. I mean, to be a son of God is, is a great privilege. That's why I use the example of Bill Gates. To be the son of Bill Gates. Even when you move out of the territory of his influence. Let's say United States of America. And you come to Ghana and you say that, look, my father is Bill Gates. There are people that will be willing to accommodate you. Who tells that will be willing to take you in for free and so on and so forth. So the knowledge that we are sons of God is an important knowledge. You know, we must remind ourselves every time that we have the rights Jesus was the only son of God. Now we are all sons of God. Hallelujah. Now, you know, a question that my daughter Lauren asked me and I'll just chip this in. She said that I said we are kings and priests. You know, she's always uh, joining the broadcast and she asks a lot of questions. So she said that she's a lady. So Why didn't the Bible rather say we are queens? (laughs) Okay, so kings, queens, princes, and so on and so forth. Now, I felt that was a very intelligent question, you know. Um, So if the Bible says we are kings and priests, that's not fair. That's what she's saying at age eight. But, you know, um, we need to understand something that, first of all, the Word of God was written in a certain cultural setting. It's very important. Now, I've said here a number of times that the Jewish culture is a patriarchal culture. What it means is that the Israelites, the Jewish people, they believe in the male gender than the female gender. Now, even when you read throughout the Bible, you look at the story where Jesus fed the multitude. They only counted the men. So, it's a strong patriarchal system where they believe that the inheritance of the father must go to the son. And the son is the heir to the father. So, in a context like that, as the word of God is being written, there is an impact. Now, one other reason that we need to understand is that intricately, when we say man, we are not talking about male or female. The word man means male and female. You see, the word man means humankind. And humankind is both male and female. So when we say man, that's why we have man. And we have woman. So a woman is also a man. But a whole kind of man. <laughs> you know, so when we say man, we are actually referring to the spirit. The spirit. Because the Bible says that God created man in his own image. Male and female created he them. So the spirit is man. And then the manifestation in the flesh is male and female. So we are originally in the image of God. So when the Bible says that we are kings, it's it's talking about man, the spirit. So inside the kingship is the queenship. I don't know whether you get what I mean. So, kings is not just for male gender. But kings is also talking about female gender. You know, so certain people also talk about the fivefold ministry. They talk about prophet, teachers, apostles, and um, evangelists and all of that. So, it's okay. Because we're in a modern generation, everyone is trying to find the female name. You know, because there's been a lot of, uh, you know, women, rights agenda and all of that. But we need to understand the word of God from God's perspective. When God says king, he's referring to male and female. That's a language. You see, but in modern society, we still want the breakdown. So, for example, when you say prophet, people are still not comfortable. So, if a female is a prophet we still want the female version, so we go like prophetess. But the thing is an office. You see, it's an office. So, and it's not gender biased. A teacher, you can't say a teacheress, is is still a teacher. (laughs) You see, so they are comfortable with teacher. Teacher for both male and female. Evangelist for both, because I've not heard evangelistess. (laughs) But then when it comes to prophet, then they want a female version of that. So now we have prophetess. It's the only office. When you talk about pastor, we don't have pastoress or, you know, it's still pastor. Now, still, the, the female gender still doesn't understand. So they will still say lady pastor. Just to qualify it. So there's still a push, you know, a push to feminize things. But... Lauren, if you are listening to me, I think I've explained enough that when we say king and priest, it covers both male and female gender. Now, we have the authority. God says he has given us authority, right to become sons of God. It means that the authority of Jesus Christ, we have the same authority because the authority is given to the son. And we are going to find out from scripture how we got the same authority that Jesus had. That's why Jesus said emphatically in the scripture that the things he did, we will do a much more. And most of the things he did were very supernatural. Now, there are two ways by which you live your life. You are going to live your life either in the natural or by the supernatural. And it's a consciousness. You can live your life like any other person. Or you can live your life according to what the Word of God says, sons of God must live their life. You see, but anyhow you choose to live your life, you would have the impact and replication. That's why we are encouraged to pray. We are encouraged to fast. We are encouraged to study the Word of God because those activities push us more into the supernatural. When you fail to do that, you, you will behave like an ordinary person and you can't reflect sonship. You can't look like God. Hallelujah. Now, we have this authority. And I want us to look at the scope of our authority. In fact, Paul says something very significant in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, about this new creation and our authority. Paul said, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance. In his holy people. I'll come to this another day. But you know what Paul is saying is that. The born again experience is usually limited to. The day you came forward. And as your personal savior. And then you are taught that. Now you are a Christian. So try and live a holy life. And what it means is that. The promise then is that. If you try and live a holy life. Jesus will come one day take you to heaven. So many people are trying to live a holy life. And that's the entire expectation of the Christian faith. It makes the whole thing very boring. You know, practically, because it's like, okay, so what happened? I just received the Lord. I'm supposed to be a good boy. I'm supposed to be a good girl uh, so that I don't offend Jesus so that one day he just comes for me. But Paul was saying that a lot happened which the saints have not been exposed to and that's the truth jesus did much more in the salvation process that we have not been told all we have been told to do is that don't lie don't talk like that christians don't talk like that christians don't dress like that that's what the emphasis has been like you know those are the things that we have been taught But what has actually happened in the spirit, we have not been taught. But I believe that if we come to the understanding of what has happened inside us, no one needs to teach us how we should carry ourselves on the external. Because the transformation starts from the inside and it comes outside. That's why many people, they are told many of these things, but they still can't do it. They may pretend to do it, but because they don't understand what they have become, they fail at a point. Now, Paul is saying that he's praying, verses 18 of Ephesians chapter 1. He is praying that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which he has called us. And then he goes on to explain the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. He says there's a riches, there's a glorious inheritance. The day you receive Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, you receive riches. Riches beyond human comprehension. So Paul is saying, when I hear that they are born again, I know that their pastors will tell them, oh, speak well, walk well, talk well, dress well. But I am praying. Because there's a dimension their pastors will not tell them about. I am praying that they themselves, their eyes will be enlightened. They will know what has happened. They will have an encounter with Jesus Christ. Because one thing I realized in our work with God is until you have a spiritual encounter, you cannot change. You will only pretend. And there are many pretenders in church because they don't know what has happened spiritually. He says that there's a hope to which we are being called. There's a hope. So you see Christians who say that, uh, you know, things are hard, so they are giving up it means they are not conscious of the hope of their calling. We were not just called, we were given a hope. That hope is what we live by. Bible says, Christ in you, the hope of all glory. So the Christian cannot be disadvantaged. When you don't have money in your pocket, you have a hope. And so you are not supposed to live by the knowledge that there's no money in my pocket. You are supposed to live by the knowledge that there's a hope. There's a hope. I'm not hopeless. There's a hope to my calling. I am not like ordinary people who don't have a hope. My God is working behind the scenes. My God is working in me. Bible says that all things work together for our good. To them that love God and are called according to his purpose, I'm not alone. There's a hope to this calling. When you are aware of this, no external opinion can move you. No matter how the economy goes, you are enlightened that there's a hope. I'm I'm not without hope. Praise the Lord. So that's what Paul was saying, that I'm praying that they will know this. Because if all they know is that get to church early, dress early, do this and that and that, they will give up. They will try to serve God by their strength. And their strength will fail them. But once they are enlightened about what is going on in them, he says there's a hope to which we are being called. And this hope is what helps us in difficult times. You know, sometimes you can be going through a very difficult time. But there's this peace in your heart. You know that this thing is happening, but it will pass very soon. There can be a storm. That's the hope that Jesus had. But Peter didn't have that hope. When they were in the boats, the Bible says that there was a mighty storm. And Peter woke up with a lot of anxiety. Today, there are many Christians, they are born again, but they are plagued with so much anxiety. Why? They are not looking inward. They are looking outward. So, Peter said, care us not that we perish. And the Bible says Jesus was sleeping in the boat. And the Bible says he was sleeping on a pillow. That's the life of a son of God. Sleeping in the storm. Because you know that where you are seated, from where you are raining from, the storm cannot consume you. Hallelujah. Amen. There's a knowledge. If you don't have it, your life will be going every direction. There are many Christians who are not stable. They come to this church, they are not stable. They go to this church, they are not stable. They have a problem with everything going on. That means that they don't have peace in their heart. Praise the Lord Jesus. A hope to our calling. We we'll live by that hope. So Jesus woke up and Peter was so anxious. He was disturbed. He said, care not thou that we perish. He actually confessed that this storm is going to kill us. When you are not aware of the hope of your calling, that's how you talk. When a situation arises, you conclude that this is it. So Paul was saying something has happened within you. I pray that you know it. I pray that you are not hopeless. There's a way hopeless people talk. You know, if you've gone to the um, the marijuana base or the, those who are into drugs, there's a way they talk. They talk from a standpoint of having given up in life. When sometimes people go to the ghettos, when you watch the news, and the people are speaking, you, you, can, you, you know that these people are, they are not sons of God. Because they give up. And that's how people commit suicide. They are not conscious of the hope of their calling. They feel hopeless. But the Bible says Jesus got up. He looked at the storm. And then he spoke to the storm. You know, he was exemplifying how sons of God must behave. Because he's the first begotten. We are the rest of the brethren. We have been engrafted into Christ. So we are also Christ's. By virtue of Ephesians chapter 2, we are also Christ's, the anointed ones of God. So Jesus looked at the storm. And let me tell you this, the storms of life, the Christian is not immune to them. Um, or for one of better word, the Christian is not exempted from them, but rather immune to them. We have a hope in us. That when the storm arrives, they can't consume. We are indestructible by its consciousness Jesus knew that. So the Bible says he got up and he spoke to the storm. He said, peace be still. You know, sometimes, even the way some Christians pray, you can know that they are praying from a standpoint of fear. So we are dealing with very interesting things. You can be praying in the name of Jesus. Come out. But you are afraid because... You are looking at the external manifestation. If, for example, you say, in the name of Jesus, come out. And the person is, you know, uh, one day I was doing deliverance for somebody, praying for them. And uh, many years in in, in the university, I said, come out. And the lady actually went back, held her waist, looked at me and said, I won't come out. What what will you do to me? (laughs) What will you do to me? What would you do in that instance? You see, you realize that the training of focusing on the externalities it weakens who you are, the new man. We must be trained on the strength of the new man, what we are able to do based on who we are inside. That's very important. That's very important, and that's why I'm taking this teaching very seriously, because many are being delivered. You know. One day, another time, when we came here and we started the church, I was praying for a young lady. She became deaf and dumb. She had an encounter with um, a demonic spirit and she became deaf and dumb. And they brought her to me. And I was praying for her. And when I prayed for her, a voice came out of her. Like she's a lady, but the voice was a male voice. And the voice said, Who are you? You think you have any power? That is referring to me. This is after I prayed and I had said, come out. And the demon is manifesting. And the demon laughed. When I said, come out, the demon laughed. And then the demon said, who do you think you are? He said that to me. And then he said, I know you. I know you. Today, you say you are a pastor. And then the demon said, "You are very small in my eyes." Now, in spiritual warfare, there's intimidation. The Bible says that the enemy, the devil, he moves about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Not devouring whom he comes across, but he seeks. He operates like a roaring lion. What does the, the roaring lion is the intimidation aspect of. The devil. When you are intimidating by his roaring, then you become subdued. And he knows that a lot of Christians, they know that we must wear long dresses, but they don't know that we are powerful. So he approaches them by roaring. And when he roars by circumstances in life, and they cower, then he can devour them. So always, when you meet the devil, there's always that intimidating aspect. And if you don't take it, you think that you are weak. But he knows who you are. And that's why all his approach is intimidation. He can intimidate you in your finances, intimidate you just to influence your confession. But you don't talk based on your circumstance. You talk based on the rights you have. No matter how broke the child of Bill Gates is. Let's say Bill Gates' child came to Ghana and he doesn't have money in his pocket. He will never say, I am poor. <laughs> he will never say, I am poor. Why? He knows he's not poor. Why? He knows his father is there. So Paul is saying, there's a hope to which we are been called. We have been told, we've been told about The way we should dress. But we've not been told that there's a hope. It came with a calling. The Christian is not hopeless. The Christian is not useless. The Christian is reigning with Christ. Hallelujah. He says this hope of our calling. Thank you Holy Spirit. The hope to which we have been called. He says the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. When we say inheritance, what are we talking about? We are talking about the properties. God has bequeathed his properties to those he calls sons. Paul is saying that, become awakened to this. If you can think on these things, you will know that there's a power working in you. That your properties are not coming from your earthly father. But the properties of God, the inheritance, the riches of all his inheritance, his glory, his favor, his power, his might, they have all been bequeathed to you. Glorious inheritance in his holy people. And he says, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power of God, which cannot be compared to any power in the earth. The Bible is saying, that power has been given to us. So we are, we are operating an incomparable great power. That power is greater than fetish power. That power is greater than occultic power. That power is greater than every other power. This is the knowledge we need. So when the lady told me, it says, you are small before me, I also laughed. Because I am conscious of where I am seated with Christ. I'm not conscious of any physical ability. But I'm conscious of, so I said, the man you see is not the man you know. The man you see is the man who is operating a certain authority in the spirit. And I said to the demon, by the count of five, lose your hold. And by the time I counted five, this young lady, f- crashed to the ground and then, you know, she regained everything that was lost. Then I realized that many Christians, I mean by the intimidation, you would have cowered. And you'd have thought that what is happening. But being conscious of the power, the incomparably great power for us who believe, it means the power is available to you. You have to use it. And the devil knows that that power Cannot be compared to any other power. Hallelujah. And that's why believers and Christians must take authority in every sphere they operate. In your home. Whenever something is happening, you should rise up and declare. Thou devil, you have no power over my home. I cast you out of my home. If there's any situation that beats your mind, you must rise up and speak to the situation. Don't keep quiet. Speak to the situation. Many Christians know how to cry but they don't know how to command because they have not been told that they reign with Christ. And the Bible says that where the word of a king is, that's where there is power. Your power is not in your silence. Your power is in your declaration. A king's power is in his word. So use your words. Kings and speak. If something is going on in your life that you are not happy about, speak. As you speak, God is changing the situation. As you speak, God is changing the situation. As you speak, God is changing the situation. As you speak to that sickness, it is leaving your life. Because you have incomparably great power. Power that is above every sickness. As you speak in that marriage, that marriage is forming again. As you speak concerning your finances, you are receiving abundance. As you speak concerning the situation, the word of the king is bringing life. Praise the Lord Jesus. Incomparably great power for us who believe. He says that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all the present age but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills everything in now this is very deep but the fact is that you need to understand that you are not hopeless there's a hope to your calling god did not call you to embarrass you god called you into a hope a hope that you are a son of god a hope that you carry an incomparably great power you are not powerless you are powerful Praise the Lord Jesus. That power is there. That power is there. But Paul's prayer is that Lord, open their eyes because they are not using that power. It's like having a switch in your house. Power is running through it. But if you want the power to move from the plug into perhaps a kettle You need to plug it. That's where revelation and faith comes in. The more you become conscious of this power, the more you tap into it. The more you tell yourself, as I step into today, every other power is bowed to me. As I step into the day, every situation is subdued. As you make these confessions, you realize that you begin to see those manifestations. Child of God, don't keep quiet. Kings, don't keep quiet. Kings speak. Praise the Lord Jesus. Kings speak. Stop crying. Enough of the crying. Enough of the tears. Use your word. Use your word. Speak the word of God. Let us begin to speak in tongues. God
0: bless you for listening to this message. Subscribe to Reverend Randy Impact on YouTube and all other digital platforms to receive more messages that will transform your life. Stay connected and prosper.